It was a very messy start to this Las Vegas Grand Prix weekend, which got me wishing there was a little less conversation and a little more action, please. Uh, thankfully, we were graced with some on-track action today. Welcome to the Grid Talk podcast, and today we are here to review qualifying for the 2023 Las Vegas Grand Prix. My name is Louis Edwards, and joining me, we have my fellow Grid Talk co-host and probably very tired, Ruby Price. Hello. But before we get into this episode, we must thank our sponsor for this episode, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use the, your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. And remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. It's just a two-person <laughs> two podcast today, a little bit of a difference from the norm, but no, we won't start in any place different than at the front, and the person at the front was Charles Leclerc. It would, of course, be a Ferrari 1-2, but... There's a slight issue of a of a drain cover and a ten place <laughs> grid penalty for Carlos Sainz. Yeah, absolutely. The Ferraris have seemed quick all weekend, but it's such a disappointment for Carlos Sainz. And he sounded visibly distraught, didn't he? Like when the team were telling him that he was P two, but obviously he's only qualified P two because of a ten place grid penalty due to a drain cover that came loose whilst he was going past it at a very high speed. But, yeah. Yeah, it says, it is, as I said in the interview, it has been a very messy and a bit of a tumultuous start to the to this Las Vegas Grand Prix weekend. A lot of issues on the track, obviously, well, in the track. <laughs> <laughs> on the track and outside of the track. But as a qualifying session, I think we should at least give Vegas his props it was it's definitely three or enough a few surprises it's really it was really tense and it also means that Max Verstappen has failed to qualify on pole for every single US Grand Prix that we've had this year okay that it was Sergio Perez it, it was Perez in Miami yeah Perez in Miami Leclerc in Austin and then of course Leclerc again in Vegas Wow. There was a lot of people suggesting that maybe the reason as to why Max was being so tetchy coming into this weekend was he didn't think that Red Bull would be as dominant as they've been here. But you were absolutely right that qualifying was something to watch because as there's obviously been critics of Vegas, the circuit itself is rather uninspired. It is ultimately just a landmark tour of Vegas, but the qualifying session... We had drama, we had surprise knockouts, and until someone went seven tenths quicker on a lap that they hadn't even done a warm-up lap for, it was like, who's going to be on pole? Yeah, it, it really was a bit. That, uh, Charles Leclerc really hit for everyone. But it was an amazing lap by Charles Leclerc. That Ferrari just seemed to have it, but it, we've had a really cold track, which would not be used to and that Ferrari switches on its tires and just manages to set good lap times and 
while the race might of course play out different it's undeniable to say that ferrari is very quick around here yeah absolutely and they are the team that has generally had the top speed throughout the season and the drs is apparently not giving as much as it would around vegas with how low downforce they're actually running the cars it doesn't make that big a difference and that's generally been where red bull have been able to dominate in qualifying so yeah no surprise to see a ferrari on pole here today or tonight well they were saying it is yeah yeah the teams have been saying that it's similar to monster in this in the sense of the setups that they're running there's only like three real there's three braking zones proper braking zones around the the whole track it's pretty much 90 degree chicanes other than the long straights it's unsurprising that we saw ferrari who were very quick in monza be very quick here but ultimately as we all know ferrari strategy has never been the best <laughs> and, and it does doesn't help the fact that the Leclerc doesn't have his rear gunner it would have been a ferrari lockout keep verstappen behind but now because of the 10 place grip drop verstappen's right there alongside leclerc yeah it's certainly been advantageous for verstappen that Sainz did get the 10 place penalty it promotes him to p2 on the starting grid and we've seen already this season where verstappen has started directly behind leclerc leclerc's not generally been in p1 by the end of lap one ferrari their strategy not always been on point, let's say. Red Bulls, conversely, generally has been. And I don't think Red Bull are seeing a scenario where Verstappen isn't making a move, potentially even turn one, turn three, or turn four is the next available overtaking opportunity. I'm trying to go through the, the track in my head. <laughs> I'm just visualizing. Uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's something like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to think what actually constitutes turn one and two. I guess it would be like, yeah, one, two, long three, and then, yeah, four. Uh, it's, it's a weird track. Let's Regardless of what we may think of qualified today, it is just a very bizarre, peculiar track. But it's one that, of course, Red Bull, we weren't expecting them to be the fastest. I think there was definitely some hints coming into this qualifying session from practice that Red Bull weren't going to be that team on top. But to have one Verstappen in P3, but P2 starting tomorrow, and then Checo out in Q2 is a story that we're familiar with. But given all that, that pressure that Checo's been under, it's really not a good place for him to be yet again. Yeah, in order for Lewis to maintain an actual statistical chance of finishing P2 in the championship, he needs to out-qualify, he needs to outscore him by six points, I think it is. And so the one thing really working in Perez's favour is that Hamilton is also out in Q2. But yeah, it, it seems like a very poor decision from Red Bull to leave him out. We knew that the track was going to get quicker as the session went on. And he was in the pits, so he was in the garage with two and a half minutes to go. And that's when everyone based, there was one sign that maybe, oh, maybe cars aren't going to go quicker. And then after that, the floodgates opened and we saw drivers who were in the top five before the last set of laps go like round, slip out of the top 10 and ultimately miss out on Q3. 
Perez, I think, will at least get a position from Sainz, but I don't think he'll get much further up unless the stewards actually police the maximum delta time infringement that several cars got noted for. Not only that, but he is he was a bit of a naughty boy during Q1 as well, blocking Lando Norris. Norris made his opinion very clear on the matter when they, they sat and did the interview with him. He was saying it should be a stonewall penalty. And in fairness to Lando, Checker was just sit dawdling on the track when he was coming around. It definitely did impede him. So we'll see how the stewards look on that. So he may or may not actually gain anything from... Carlos's penalty but yeah it was really not a good qualifying session from Checo and I think Max was probably happy with where he got is probably the most he could have got out given just how fast the the Ferrari was today ah yeah I thought you'd frozen then for a second but yeah (laughs) considering how fast his teammates been to be fair his teammates been faster than him for his whole career even when he was in the Toro Rosso but yeah, he should be higher up and it's not helping his opportunities being in P12 currently. But then the third fastest team, well, well I forgot who, I have actually forgotten who was P4. That is my bad. Have you got that myself? George Russell, it was George Russell. I was thinking, no, it was definitely was one of the, the Mercedes. George definitely having to pick up the scraps from Miss, from Mercedes, yeah, because Hamilton, as we've already discussed, terrible again just you didn't seem to get the strategy right in q2 and just then failed to improve from then and then yeah russell wasn't looking the best but he's definitely looked the stronger out of the two bucks he was quickest in fp3 definitely looking like he is just the more comfortable driver around this track yeah he absolutely does and he was the driver ultimately to get the lap of the two mercedes that kept him in Q2, kept him in for Q3 and has ultimately put him what will be P3 on the starting grid tomorrow or today. But where am I looking? Yeah, in Q2, when the Mercedes were making their first round of laps, Russell was quicker than Hamilton in both sectors one and two, but it was Lewis who set the fastest final sector of the two of them at the time, but then cut to the end of Q2 and... Russell just on the track at the right time and able to actually switch on those tyres quicker than his teammate. And that's what's allowed him to be in the position, really. And the margins that Lewis was out by in Q2 were less than three hundredths behind his old teammate and former wingman, Valtteri (laughs) Bottas. Yeah, uh, we'll get to Alfa Romeo later. It certainly did. An amazing job did uh, Valtteri. But yeah, definitely questions to be asked at Merck. We know that W14 is not a good car. It's not going to win a race this year uh, unless something remarkable happens in this race or it just suddenly pulls it out of the bag in Abu Dhabi. But it's just another sort of sign that Mercedes are probably... Uh, I think we, we should all know by now that Mercedes had given up on this car probably a couple of months ago and are really starting to turn their focus onto next year because they've got to make a competitive competitive car next year because if McLaren can sort out their sort of track variables because it can go up and down, we know that Ferrari have been um, working on their car and of course Red Bull are going to be on it again next year. We don't want another year of 
Mercedes just getting it wrong at the start of the season, then having to play catch up again. And oh, I don't know, they might revert back to no side pods again. I don't know. It just, they really need to make sure that they're hitting the ground running next year because otherwise I feel they're just going to keep just getting left behind. Yeah, just keep throwing the dartboard, the dart at the dartboard of different car designs and models and things like that. See which one works. Which one's actually going to put this team on the step that they feel they belong on? But yeah, I have absolutely no doubt they've give, they gave up on the W14 as soon as they realized that putting side pods on it wasn't just going to be the solution. And yeah, I think really F1 does need teams back up at the front to be able to challenge each other and have that fight at the front because people have generally lost interest in this season. The longer it's, the bigger the gap has become. But then we've also had some amazing races where McLaren have been able to challenge and Ferrari have been able to challenge and generally not Mercedes being the challenger without then getting disqualified at the end of the race, which... I am sad to say. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's like F one thrives on competition, and the fact that that we have to really beg these teams to start putting up a fight is definitely a not a place that Formula One wants to be in. But if Hamilton and Russell can maybe get their act together a bit in terms of their inter team battle and actually try and drive this team forward, I think. Mercedes have an incredibly strong lineup. They have the ability to challenge, but at, at the moment, you can tell that the harmony of the team is just going. We see Toto get very snippy, very snidey this weekend for no real apparent reason. And then, yeah, we all know that Russell and Hamilton don't exactly have the the best relationship. There's definitely worse relationships that we've seen at Mercedes, but it's thing is just. A lot of things need to change and uh, to bring that harmony back and just bring the results back. Now we go to the start of the mess. I think we could call it the mess of how the hell did that driver get there? And the first of them is Pierre Gasly. Going into qualify, the, the commentators, David Crod and like Martin Brundle for us on Sky, were very critical of Alpine. We're not saying that they were going to get anywhere. And there we go. Pierre Gasly, P5. How did that happen? Uh, In all honesty, I'm not sure. And I think Gasly wasn't sure either looking at the post-session interviews. He's over a second ahead of his teammate in terms of the lap time that he's ultimately set later on. But they're a team who, despite boasting very high top speed, haven't generally capitalized on that as of late. But I think, ultimately, if you look at how close that fight is between even P5 to P... Well, it's even closer the further down you go, actually. But P4, P5, P6, I feel like any of the three drivers in those positions could have occupied any of those positions based on the tiniest margin. But ultimately, yeah, Pierre Gasly putting it in P5, showing that he's still a driver to with something to say ultimately and I think if he keeps his his teammates nowhere near him so maybe he's actually going to finish the race without a collision maybe we don't know there is there are plenty of walls put it that way but 
<laughs> yeah, Ocon down in P17. Yeah, really wasn't a good thing. And I think it was where the commentators were expecting Alpine to be on that sort of Q1, Q2 sort of cusp. But then Gasly just ultimately shuts them all up, puts in a great lap. And it feels like the Gasly of old where we would see him in that Alpha Tauri just suddenly stick it like P4, P5, just random weekends. Just How did he get there? It's just, just Pierre Gasly things. Ultimately, why he's a race winner as well, isn't it? Just being there. Yeah, just being there. He's, he's, <laughs> he's at a podium, he's at a race win. He's just... Pierre Gasly has just had an F1 career of being there. I think he <laughs> just summed up his years in F1 perfectly. Then we get on to P6 and P7, which is the Williams pairing. I thought, I believed in the kilometer, in the miles man himself. Logan Sargent, he put it P4. I was like, oh my God, what is happening? But then unfortunately, three very selfish drivers got in the way, Russell, Gasly and Albon. It also means that, again, Sargent doesn't out-qualify Albon. But it was, I would say it's close. It was like one and a half, ten, um, the gap. But from Williams, who we know that they've had great top speed, they've made the most of it in previous races, throughout this season now they finally after a tough time of it have finally got to show that again and p6 p7 with a lot of competitive cars behind them they're gonna be thinking with our top speed trains the las vegas train is going to arrive at the station tomorrow yeah it's gonna be the albon and sergeant express tomorrow um we were saying in the preview that the williams cars are were going to be suited to the vegas layout with it being not a not really a mixture of high speed corners, just straights and slow corners. As long as they can get it stopped going into those slow corners, Sergeant is going to survive generally. But I do think that we could see Williams's strongest performance in terms of race finishing positions for both drivers to in the race, and by actually capitalizing on that in this qualifying session. Maybe they will actually then deliver on it. Maybe I think there's definitely a very good chance. It would nice. It would be nice to see Sergeant back in the points again. He is tumbling around near the bottom of the championship with two drivers who are no longer in the <laughs> actually on the grid. But I think there's still a lot to, uh, more to come from Logan Sergeant. I've always been a firm believer in never judging a a driver by their first season. And while he's definitely not been the worst, considering one of them's no longer on the grid. He's certainly not exactly been up there with uh, Oscar Piastri this year, but maybe we're slowly starting to see him, and if he just continues to race on home soil, maybe he'll just keep scoring points. <laughs> that is where um, I got his point. Exactly, that's what I was saying. Just, this is why Liberty Media won every race in America, because then the American driver will continue scoring points, and it's just just grows the US market and it's just like a, a massive snowball effect. We've got more races in the more races in the US, more points for the US driver, which brings more US fans, which means more US races, which means more points for the US driver. And you know, twenty twenty Logan Sargent world champion. Drives for an American, American team with an American teammate. <laughs> an American team principal. Yeah. American team principal and winning and he it, wins in... it at Laguna Seca or something. 
or the random streets of Denver. I, I don't know. It's wherever they want to set New York job GP. <laughs> the New York GP. The square. Discussed before. <laughs> okay, so P8, we have Valtteri Bottas. A very good showing from Valtteri Bottas. Alfred Romeo was very was looking very strong in his hands. Guan Yu Zhou back down in P18. But Bottas just seemed to get a grip of the car, get a grip of the circuit, and just keep making the right calls. And ultimately, he was very close from the back of Sargent. Yeah, that gap is minuscule, almost as minuscule as the debate as to whether anything else needed to be centred on with regards to Valtteri Bottas's other activities. But he's way he's been way quicker than his teammate all weekend so far. The lack of red and white paint on the Alfa Romeo this weekend is certainly helping as well. A bit of weight reduction with their livery that is yet to convince me, at least yet to convince me it's an Alfa Romeo. But we've seen Bottas when he gets given a sniff of a chance of getting a point or two, like he's taken it this season. And I think with a, with the Ferrari engine in the back and he might have a good chance of staying ahead of some of the other teams that will be trying to challenge for the lower end of the points, but I'm not sure he's going to stay ahead of the visibly quicker Mercedes or Red Bull. It's definitely um, is going to be a, a tough one, but... As we said, there is a possibility for a very long train to be cruising through the, the streets of Vegas tomorrow, gets himself nicely planted in that, or even ahead of the two Williams, and that is a position to be in. Uh, P9, Kevin Magnussen in the house, and P13, Benico Hulkenberg. Now, I'm curious about what you think, but I'm genuinely surprised that both houses were not in Q3. Just like the Ferrari, they were able to turn on the tyres very quickly, get them up for temperature, and and start pumping in quick lap times fairly quickly. I am slightly surprised to see Hulkenberg out in Q2. Yeah, it was very close in terms of he Lewis and Perez were three hundredths off. He's a tenth and a bit off, making it into P10. Um, and giving us the opportunity to say Viva Has Vegas, as Tom Horrocks has kindly fed us the line. But yeah, a team that have always struggled with keeping their tyres fresh after they've got them up to temperature. We've seen time and time again, as soon as it gets to a race, they disappear. But yeah, I was also surprised to not see Haas challenging in Q3 in the end, especially considering the giants that we had knocked out in Q2 and Q1, this was the perfect opportunity really for Haas to be, all right, cool, we're going to have that P7, that P8. But instead, they only managed it with Kevin Magnussen, who generally of the two Haas drivers hasn't been the stronger one in qualifying. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, that's why I found it so strange not to see both of them in. Like Hulkenberg's qualifying pace this season has definitely been very good it's been very competitive and more often than not has been ahead of k mag but i would say as the season has gone on magnuson has definitely closed that gap to hulkenberg in qualifying he's we're seeing more and more often magnuson starting the races ahead of hulkenberg but it's certainly yeah it was not not the result i was expecting from Haas, especially when we as you mentioned those sort of giant killings that we had earlier 
early in the qualifying session, I thought, okay, this is going to be a solid point chance for Haas to get both their cars starting in the points paying positions and go from there. But I think Hulkenberg will definitely be slightly disappointed not to be in that top 10. But as for tomorrow, if the the track continues to be as cold as it has been, or it has been, we should expect them to be able to, again, get their tyres up to temperature quite nicely at the start of the race and hopefully be quite competitive. Yeah, they're certainly going to be quick off the line for, at the very least, as long as their formation lap is very active. So we'll move on to Aston Martin now. Again, a team I was expecting slightly more of. Fernando Alonso, P10. Lance Stroll in P14. What did you make of? Did you expect them to be higher? I think after their performance in Brazil, I was certainly expecting something a bit more from them. I'm struggling to remember how they performed at a circuit like Baku, for example, where, of course, that was very has that very long straight but i also don't seem to remember them performing too well in monza which is probably the closest like circuit we've got like that but it it's been a bit of a dice roll for aston martin over the last bunch of events and i think ultimately they've probably maximized the performance from their car with one of their drivers the other one probably maximizing his ability but He's at least had his, what was it? He had a investigation on him for ignoring yes, it yellow was flags, for, but that's yeah. been no further action. When you are doing that twice in one day, those stewards are going to be pretty fed up with you. Yeah, they were saying that he was lucky to get away with it, but yeah, it's it's just the way that I guess the dice is rolled when it comes to stewarding. I'm just quickly having a look whether or not any of the multitude of drivers, Hamilton, Russell, Albon, Joe, Gasly and Bottas have been have been penalised at all for their indiscretions and nope, none of them have. Yeah, they've all been cleared. So what's the point great in question. having that rule? Yes. <laughs> what is the point of having a rule where you have to set a maximum there's a maximum lap time if only every single driver who has ever <laughs> broken that rule has never been given a penalty reprimand what whatever they have never been given it there shouldn't be some legal loophole by saying they had to go that slow as well did you have to go that slow? We saw plenty of drivers getting their track limits, like track limit penalties for literally going off the circuit to avoid other drivers. So I don't see why we are constantly having this issue of drivers exceeding the maximum time and then only not to get a penalty for it. Yeah. And the other thing as well is the drivers have asked for this. The drivers have asked for a solution that doesn't involve getting to the end of your flying lap and there's 16 cars occupying five metres of tarmac at the end because they're all fighting for space. As you've pointed out, not a single time that there's been a breach of this rule has it been penalised. What is the point in having it? There was a few, on a show a few weeks ago, me and Carl were discussing alternatives. 
to the rule that we've only just recently brought in this season. And he suggested something like an average delta time, similar to like your average speed cameras on the motorways. At least they've got them in the UK. I'm not sure if they have them elsewhere, but whether that's something that they need to do. But I honestly question what the point is in flagging it up if it's always going to result in a scenario where it's just, all right, cool, no further action. If they could do it under a VSC, I don't understand why they can't do it in <laughs> in qualifying. But maybe that we should uh, use that topic for the end of the season podcast. We'll get on to the next team, which is Alpha Tauri. Didn't think the next the team after would be the last one we talk about, but Daniel Ricardo P15, Yuki Sonoda P20, Yuki Sonoda had a Yuki Sonoda qualifying session. He was very bad. He was off the pace. He could not keep it on track. And we are not really surprised that he was last and incredibly angry at the end. Yeah, like when we saw that yellow flag come up at the, the last runs of Q1, I thought that was quite likely someone who'd hit the wall. I don't think we actually saw the incident that yuki had but he was fuming he knows that's cost him a chance of getting into q2 potentially the alpha towers have been relatively there or thereabouts in terms of the last three grand prix that we've had of course tires hitting daniel ricardo ruling him out in brazil but they've been there or thereabouts but He's two seconds almost off Piazza is Yuki because he's just not got that lap in. And, you know, just I guess that is the importance of being there at the right time. But when you can't get around without hitting, without spinning, because I think he also had an issue before, that's just... I'd be disappointed as the Alpha Towery team, never mind just Yuki. It was definitely... Not a good session all round. When they, when we heard Daniel Ricciardo's team radio at the end of Q two, you could tell that he was just like, ah, this is the car's just not there. They're not going to do any better. There was a no real chance for them, and he was just like, we'll just focus on tomorrow. And ultimately, that is what AlphaTauri have got to do. They're they're scrapping around for the last points, and at the moment, just not doing a great job of doing that when other teams around them like Williams, like Alpha Tauri and uh, not Alpha Tauri, Alpha Romeo and Haas have all got a car starting in the top 10 and they're the teams that will jump them if they score some points which is going to be worth millions, I think Jensen Button was saying in practice too yesterday that if Bottas finished P5 that would push the Alphas above the Alphas but they were so jubilant about getting off the bottom of the constructors just a few weeks ago if Mm. everything goes to plan for the other two ferrari powered cars this weekend they could be back on the bottom yeah there's it's really not good we've seen alpha tower have always been that sort of plucky team in the midfield and it's rare that we see them so consistently at the back and this season has been or well, it was really was Nick DeFries' fault at all? We don't really know. I think there was definitely some more going on there. Oh, um, 
Our helmets, well, our Red Bulls. But no, I think it's been a tough time. But at least for Yuki's sake, he knows he still has a drive for next year. Um, which, like, it was a surprise for some people. But I think he's genuinely been the bedrock in that team this season. I think he's the one who saved them from completely drowning this season and probably having nil poids by this point. I don't think, Pete, you can be too def- uh, harsh on Yuki for what he's done this season, but unfortunately it was the Yuki Sonoda that we're used to came on show today. No. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> McLaren. Oh. Rubes, uh, take it away. I'll just sit here. I'm also a McLaren fan, Louis. I can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> if McLaren looked more like this, they'd have done better today. <laughs> Um, For our Spotify listeners, that was a picture of the 2008 McLaren. <laughs> the Lewis Hamilton McLaren. Um, but no, yeah, it it was disappointing to see McLaren, after the progress that they have made as a team, being out in Q1 in Las Vegas. Lando Norris looked visibly just fed up. Uh, that might have been jet lag, to be fair. But he looked visibly fed up in the media pen afterwards. Piastri being one thousandth of a second behind Guan Yuzhou in Q1 could have got another position at least. But yeah, it's it hasn't been the smoothest of weekends for them. They did have issues in practice yesterday with Lando being stuck in limp back to the pits mode or something along those lines. I'm not sure the specifics of what it was called. All the teams call it something different. But yeah... I think another, if it had been a different weekend of the year, maybe McLaren would have been the team that we were talking about being on the front. But unfortunately, it just looks like the team that started the season showed up for Las Vegas. Hopefully it goes better for them tomorrow. We have seen Lando pull off some, for want of a better word, stonking drives through the field. But I think with, setup ish the lack of ability to change setup maybe they'll take the car out of park Fermi. it worked for aston martin yeah that is uh, definitely a, a possibility but yeah it was it's a weird one this is so weird it's just like the last they were talking on the commentary about the last time we saw the mclaren's really do this bad was in miami like in the first american race of this season and yeah it's weird to see them out just given how so competitive they have been for not it's not been like four races it's been like 10 races like more than 10 races now that they've been like really on it and it's been a real shame to see them drop back to back to where they were at the start of the season of course Lando was not only probably annoyed at his lap but also annoyed at the fact that Checo did block him there's been absolutely zero word on that I don't even know if it's been investigated I've not actually seen anything to suggest that he Checo might get in trouble for that they were too busy Um, ignoring the maximum delta time investigations (laughs) exactly so it's yeah I think Lando has every right to be annoyed when you've been so competitive and then suddenly you're out in Q1 it's not nice for any driver I think any driver would naturally be very angry and then again Piastri was frustrated the fact that first runs they were like P4, P5, second runs you're, <laughs> you're out, you're P16, you're P18 like there's got to be like 
something horrific that went on at McLaren. Piastri was saying that it was due to the fact that they didn't switch tyres. They didn't put on a fresh set of tyres. Yeah, and some other teams did. No, apparently not. Yeah, right. that, that does seem to have potentially cost them that Q2 appearance at the very least then because with Norris only being a handful of milliseconds behind P15, I think, looking at the timings, he could have been there. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's an odd one from McLaren, but we'll have to see how they get in the race tomorrow. There we go. We are through all the teams. <laughs> and now... It is, of course, time for our race predictions for tomorrow's. First, Rubes, who do you reckon is going to be your top three? Kisinoda, Oscar Piastri, and Guan Yu Zhou. Oh, wait, no, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong order. Yeah, it, it's got to be. I think there is very little scenario where Max Verstappen isn't going to be on the top step tomorrow. I think P2 is going to go to... Charles Leclerc, and I'm going to say that P3 is going to go to. Um, I'm going to say that P3 is going to go to George Russell. I don't think Signs is going. I think you've mentioned there's going to be an issue with the like Williams train and stuff like that. I do think we might see a challenge for P4, P3, P4 at the end, but I don't think it's going to be as close as we had in Brazil. Uh, no, it definitely won't be. I don't think it will be as close. But my top three is going to be, I think Max will, Max will make it three for three in three for three in the US. Then Charles Leclerc, and then I'm going to say P3 will be Carlos Sainz. I think he'll push his way through. Then bold prediction, Reeves, for tomorrow's race. Bold prediction. Oof. I think I'm going to say there will be only 12 finishes, like whether that's through reliability, through collisions, through people just getting bored mid-race. No, that's not true. But yeah, I think I'm going to say 12 finishes of the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Well, okay. I think my bold prediction will be both McLaren's and the points. I think it might genuinely be quite a struggle for them to get there, despite the fact that we know that car is the car is very quick. It's I think it's still going to be it's going to be difficult for them to do. As I said, there's going to be a bit of a train, I think, and I think it's going to be very difficult for them to find their way through the field. I think it's going to be a lot of congestion. It's going to be quite difficult, and if they just can't get the tires to work, because it seems that was the issue today then yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna help them much in the race that is the end of the show everybody but of course if you did enjoy this podcast please we are always uh, we are always very appreciative if you would leave us a five-star review on spotify and on apple podcasts and of course if you're watching this now you know that we live stream all of our shows make sure to like and subscribe and if you hit that little bell notification button you'll get notified every single time we go live and also you'll get notified as soon as we upload any of our other shows our firesides our formula talks and our preview shows grid talk is available on youtube 
obviously, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Cast. Just search for the Formula One Grid Talk podcast for our... And if you're stuck with something to listen to between now and tomorrow's race for most people in the western world you've got a whole day ahead of you so why not listen to one of our other podcasts we have a catalog of over 300 shows to keep you entertained until lights go out tomorrow night also please consider supporting the channel on patreon so we can get better mics lights and recording equipment for our hosts and of course again make sure to subscribe we'll be back of course tomorrow to review the race as the first ever modern f1 race in las vegas so thank you very much for listening to the good talk podcast presented by bet online and goodbye <laughs>